Welcome into another edition of Meet Me at Mutual. I'm your host, Daniel Shopdot at C70. Uh, no Alan Medlock again this week. It's the baseball season starting to get started, but we will be recording. Alan and I have decided we're going to do a little 10 or 15 minutes. Uh, I wouldn't say podcast, segment, I guess is the best way of putting it. Every week to talk about the Tulsa Hell Rangers. If you are interested, we'll put it at the end of the show probably. And that way, if you're not, you can skip it. So, um, But until then, until Alan gets back, we have wonderful guests and that is no exception tonight as we have dane perry joining us you'll find dane at dane perry on twitter you'll find him at cbs and of course he's got his sub stack birdie work dane how are you doing i'm good daniel good to be with you again man that's good, very good it's been <clears throat> just a, a about a year since we've talked i think um Has it been that getting, long? well i think that, well you started the birdie work what right around the end of march last year yeah right right before opening day yeah yeah um i mean that's the first that's the last time we've talked this way we've exchanged right right, right. messages enough yeah. times but um i don't want to start out with the Substack and how that has gone over the last year has it has it met the expectations that you had before going into it yeah it has really um i'm enjoying doing it and it's uh we've got you know a nice little reader base uh, of which you are one and my gratitude for that and uh yeah it's been you know it's it's something i've wanted to do for a long time it's really been a good outlet for me it's something i enjoy quite a bit and you know i've been a cardinals fan since i was seven years old or whatever and uh this has long been something i wanted to do i wanted to put my focus on the team and and write about them uh, as guys like you have been doing for so long and, uh, it's good to be good to be part of the club. Have you found it to, I, I'm sure it hasn't, but have you found it at all conflicting with your, your day job as it were? No, I, you know, obviously my priority is going to be CBS. And if there's anything Cardinals related, they want me to write about, it, I'm going to write about it, even if there's some, you know, redundancy there. And, uh, you know, I'm able to, uh, compartmentalize and, and, put on my objectivity hat uh, when I need to for CBS. And I kind of tend to take a, a sensible remove anyway with the Cardinals, even when I'm writing about them as a fan. And uh, so it's pretty easy for me to transition into that role uh, on CBS where I have to be the uh, super serious observer hovering above everything, <laughs> and, uh, detached and clinically removed from everything. You know, it's and and I'll put we'll put the plug in here because it's thirty six dollars. I think if you get a whole year subscription, you can do it a monthly mm-hmm. fee as well. Um, but it's definitely worth it because I mean, you put out pretty much for every every week this year, you've put out at least two posts, haven't you? I mean, I don't. I, it feels like every week you've, you're generating out pretty pretty in depth content um, on a. I think on a regular it probably basis. averages two a week. There's probably been a week or two in the off season where it's just been one a week, but you mm-hmm. know, might. I, I'll I'll never go fewer than one a week. So, but it'll probably average out at two a week, particularly during the season. So, yeah. You and you know I, I'm writing over the two. <clears throat> Have you found it? I don't know. For me, the Substack site, I guess, or, or the platform, or however, I find it a little bit easier to write there for for whatever reason. Do you? I know you've got a number of places that you've written at. Is that mm-hmm. the same for you, or is it just you know kind of doesn't really matter too much? Yeah, I, I I could agree with that. Yeah, uh, you know the interface is really simple, and I, I you know there's autonomy to it, obviously, because you're doing this for yourself and not you know doing it for the boss or and that sort of thing. Yeah. So uh, yeah, there is that sense of agency about it, and I really you know appreciate that. And they they make everything pretty simple on the back end, and uh, I also like the way visually it comes across in your email box. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, like when I get yours or that kind of thing, it's always an attractive looking 
newsletter. Uh, it looks professional and, and well formatted and everything like that. So I, I've enjoyed my uh, relatively brief time there so far. Yeah, I, I like to look professional until they start reading it, and then they realize it's not. So it's, a, it's okay. <laughs> it tricks them into tricks them I, into it for a little bit. Uh, I don't know about that, um, man. Um, you have, of course, a wide audience. But you know that there are people in the Cardinal front office that are reading this as well. Um, yeah. Does that, because, you know, because because you have linked to me a couple of times, I know there's a couple that have followed me as well. And so mm-hmm. I sometimes have that in my head of, not that I'm going to go bashing people or not anyway, right, right. but it's still kind of, you know, it's like, are they just going to laugh at this when they get it? You know, I got to you know, I, I, that's an interesting point. Maybe that's in my head now, but no, I had not, <laughs> I had not previously thought of it that way. Uh, I usually, I mean, when I was younger, uh, I used to write a bit more provocatively, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that just kind of got tiresome for me and I'm not really looking for unnecessary confrontation at this stage mm-hmm. of my life. Right. <laughs> so I've moderated that a bit and I try, I do try to see, every side to an issue. And I do generally go by the principle that everyone has reasons for the way they Mm -hmm. behave or the decisions they make. They may not be great reasons, but they are reasons. And so I, I, you know, I try to let that uh, bleed over into my analysis of the Cardinals. Yeah. But I am aware that, you know, they have, you know, front office eyeballs on it and that sort of thing. But I, uh, I I guess I'm more worried about, uh, uh, catering to the average reader than I am, you know, someone in the front office and, and that kind of thing. So, but now that you mentioned that, maybe I'll start thinking about that. Well, but you've also had, being that you've been at bigger platforms like CBS, you, you know, you know that there are industry insiders reading that stuff just because of the the broadness of it. So maybe that influences you as well as you don't have to worry about it because you've been doing it forever. Uh, yeah, I, I one time a former GM got my phone number and was outraged mm. and called me and was uh, basically quote unquote, uh, you know, just if you think I'm an idiot, just say so. And, <laughs> you know, and uh, you know, I, I, we ended up taking it in a civil direction, but yeah, mm. I, so that, that is a dynamic I'm familiar with. And I, you know, every now and then you get not necessarily a GM, that's kind of a rarity, but you do get say a spokesperson for the team, uh, reaching out and saying, ah, I'm not sure you were entirely fair and that, that sort of thing. So yeah, you know, it, it's probably somewhere in the back of my head there, even though I don't uh, yeah. consciously think of it. Well, and like you said, I mean, you're not taking, like I said, for me, it's like, you know, like this off season when you're writing articles about, and, and you did too, about, you know, they need to go out and get Yamamoto and we kind of lay out the reasons for that. And you just, mm-hmm. you know, you start thinking, you know, after like I've sent it out that I'm like, you know, are they just thinking, well, you, you know, if you just knew this and this and this, you wouldn't right. write that, you know, that kind of thing. But, you know, they also don't tell us this and this and this. So right. what, what can we do? Right, right. And, you know, I, I try to take the stance that if it's anything spending related, it's probably the fault of ownership. You know, it's mm-hmm. not like they have all this spending latitude in baseball ops and they're just saying, ah, we don't feel like using it. We'll just, we'll just go with this, you know? So I, I do try to make that distinction instead of blaming Moselliac for everything, which kind of seems to be some strains of the fan base do that. So I, I try to be fair. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, we have limited information, you know, on the, on the public side of things. So we can only work with what we know and what's disclosed to us from the team and what's reported and that kind of thing. And uh, so, you know, if there's, key pieces of that missing, then that's really kind of on the team for not disclosing it. Before we get into like the postseason and all the stuff the Cardinals have done and, and all this kind of stuff, I do want to mention along with the Substack, you know, as part of that, you've got a Slack that people can be involved in as well. And I know you've been really, especially really active in that. I think it's very easy for someone to, you know, set it up and let people talk and, and just kind of let it go. But you've been very active in that. Has that been exciting for you uh, yeah. as we've gone through this? Yeah, I enjoy that. It's it's a Slack that I, it's, you know, for paid subscribers, you get access to it if you want to, and it's for Cardinals discussions and, and, uh, but what, you know, not necessarily limited to that. There's, you know, the only rules, you know, be civil to each other and uh, the discussions go where they may. And, you know, I enjoy interacting with Cardinals fans and there's some really smart ones in there, including yourself. And uh, it's, uh, you know, I learned some things and it's, so it's a good way to bounce off, takes and you know that sort of thing and 
in some ways. It probably informs the newsletter content directly and that kind of thing. But it's a, uh, I would consider it a pretty heady place to discuss the Cardinals. So, uh, you know, paid subscribers, that's part of part of your benefits package, if you will. Yeah, I agree. I don't, you know, I don't be able to, I'm not checking it all the time, but you know, cause if, and if you don't check it all the time, there's, there's times, there's tons of messages. Yeah. But there are, it, it, it's always, I don't think there's ever been any kind of, you know, it's always been smart and intelligent in and, and, and civil discussion. It's never right. had any right. kind of flare ups. Yeah. Which you can't say about the internet very often. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, the older I get, the more I, uh, I more I limit myself to certain corners of the internet and that kind of thing. So uh, this is one of those uh, corners that uh, uh, makes my life better and not worse. Unlike a lot of parts right. of the internet. Um, so you start this, you know, yeah, right around opening day last year. Mm-hmm. The Cardinals then go on to have their worst season in thirty years. So how much blame <laughs> are you taking? For this? You know, I'm uh, that that has occurred to me many times. It's like, oh my gosh, this is this is when I pick the time to do it. And, you know, how many potential subscribers did that cost me, and that kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, and yeah, I have a I have a a buddy who runs a uh, a Yankees Patreon. I don't even know how to mm. say that Patreon Patreon. Yeah. But uh, and just it's the Yankees, and he's had a loyal following before that, so it's much larger than what I'm doing. Right. And like the swings and subscribers based on how frustrating the team is being <laughs> is really acute. And I probably got a little taste of that uh, Cardinals version, not Yankees version uh, during this mm-hmm. past season. Like, you know, I mean, I, I was skeptical heading into the season because of the rotation. I think everybody recognized uh, that that was going to be a potential issue, but never did I imagine them losing that many games. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah I think we thought it, it was going to be a problem and it might keep them out of first or right. it might, you know, they might, I don't think, I don't know that anybody went into last season, even with that thinking this is not a 500 team, right. much less what it turned out to be. Right. Right. Yeah. So that's uh, yeah. But you know, hopefully, hopefully that is the, the low point for a long time. I was say, and, and if nothing else, it gave you different things to write about. It really did. I mean, there was, you know, five days in you've got, Marmol calling out Tyler O'Neill and you know, just kind of, you know, it was the content river did not stop, did not dry up, but it's not necessarily the kinds of content you want, but no. I'll take what I can no. get, I guess. That's right. You got to do, you got to, you yeah. know, make lemonade out of lemons, that kind of stuff. So. Yeah. 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 So we, we've had this, this winter and, you know, again, a lot of us, we spend, you know, October saying we think the Cardinals should do this and this and this. And then now here we are basically a few days from spring training. We can kind of really look at what they actually did. When you take what they did compared to what we felt like they should do, how, how would you rate this winner? I give it a B minus. Um, I think, you know, and a lot of this goes back to how I tend to put the blame on ownership for, how much there is to spend and that sort of thing. And I think they may have been working with tighter constraints than many of us thought they were coming into the off season. And I, I know that was the case for me. I was just, I felt like I was led to believe that spending would be higher than it has been mm-hmm. with those constraints in mind. I think the front office did a pretty good job, you know, with their limitations. And I, I wanted, uh, not Sonny Gray and a couple of 4.5 starters. You know, I wanted right. Sonny Gray and another frontline guy and then a depth piece. We didn't get that. So that kept them from the A marks, if you will. But, you know, I, the rotation is going to be measurably better. And if the offense finds their level, which I feel like they will, that's going to be a uh, roster capable of winning the National League Central. That is kind of damning with faint praise because I don't think mm-hmm. the NL Central is going to be that strong. I think they did some interesting things with the bullpen, again, given the constraints that seem to be in place. So, yeah, I come in a B minus, and I could have probably talked them to just a straight up B. So it's, uh, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to give them an increase in their allowance, but I'm also not going to ground them. So it's a B minus. <laughs> uh, you know, Ben Clemens and I talked a little bit about the fact this, you know, this winter 
has been a lot of one-year contracts, except for Sonny Gray. Yeah. Was that three-year deal. Oddly backloaded for the fact yeah. that everything yeah. else is a one-year deal. Um, how much of that is the RSN situation, which I definitely want to talk about because you've, you've written a lot of good stuff about it, but, and how much of it is John Mosellock is st- getting ready to, to move on and they want to kind of have a clear deck for whoever comes next. I, it's, it's gotta be a mix. I would say, I mean, I, there definitely is RSN uncertainty beyond 2024. That's probably playing a role. Uh, I don't read too much into the gray structuring. I just think when teams can backload and, you know, tap into the future value of money and that sort of mm-hmm. thing, they'll do it. And, uh, but yeah, getting these sort of, you know, veteran guys who are willing to take that one year plus an option like Gibson and Lynn were, uh, I think is, is a little South of what we were hoping for, but I see the vision, if you will. I mean, those, you know, I think a lot of it is we underestimate just how terrible that rotation was, particularly once they had to start plugging holes last season. So the baseline is lower than you think it is for most people. And, you know, but does this, does this suggest anything about a future Moselliac timeline? I don't know. That's, that's possible. I think it's possible that he wants to have as clean a slate as possible for the, for his replacement, uh, which figures to be internal. And uh, yeah, if, if 2024 goes awry, it would not surprise me to see Moselliac uh, hasten that timetable. How, how much do you read into Bloom joining this organization? I mean, it, it feels like it's yeah. a good move in general because they yeah. needed an outside voice. But is that a, does he immediately jump to the head of the line of people that could take that job when most ready? I don't know if it put him at the head of the line. I definitely think it makes him a candidate. I mean, Moselle basically said as much that, you know, now we have a deeper bench when it comes to, you know, potential successors for me. And I, I tend to think uh, Bloom was brought on chiefly because he has experience in building out pitching infrastructure and as, as his raised pedigree and that kind of thing. Uh, there are probably other motives beyond that. And I think, replacing Moselliak might be one of them. I think he is definitely in the mix. I mean, you know, owners love to tap into the raise incubator because they think they can get similar results, but do it cheaper. And that's, uh, you know, every owner likes to do that. So maybe that's in there, you know, uh, it is, is Boston tenure was certainly a mixed bag, but he did do what he was told and cut payroll and, and rebuild the farm system. So I, I do think it makes him, I, would I call him front runner? I don't know. Uh, I guess I would call it a toss up at this point, you know, Gersh as well. And then maybe Flores and, you know, who knows, but I, I do think they'll look internally. And now that Heim Bloom is a consultant, he is an internal candidate. So yeah, I think it's a very realistic possibility. Yeah. It's, it's kind of hard to imagine the Cardinals making a major hire outside the organization. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. So. But, and I guess, I guess bringing in, a consultant like this who may be on the job for just one or two years before getting the, you know, the, the president of baseball operations job to succeed Moselliac. Maybe that's as close to an external candidate as you'll get. Not exactly long in the tooth with the Cardinals, but has been there a little bit. Right. Yeah. Cause they do have that, that need for their corporate culture mm-hmm. um, to, to at least influence everything, whether it's the whole thing or not. Um, yeah. So yeah, um, and probably got a little insular in recent years, and oh. having that out, outside perspective is very welcome. I, 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 every time this stuff comes up, I remember I wrote an article. I think it was in twenty one that with that title, "Are the Cardinals Too Insular?" Because oh, everybody, uh, everybody, you know, it was you know even in when you got into the TV and and uh, you know radio side of things, you know. We, when Shannon left, they just brought in, mm-hmm. you know, Ricky Horton. And, you know, yeah. when Dan left, it was, you know, Chip Carey, which was outside the organization, but not really, you know, I mean, right. so they, even right. going into that part of things, they just didn't ever want to embrace something that was not at least Cardinal red tinged. Yeah. They, they, they love to play the hits. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But I will say, as we talk about the Cardinals and them continually kind of doing what they always do, they kind of stepped away from their playbook this winter in building that bullpen. They did a lot of interesting things and a lot of different 
uh, avenues as well. They didn't go out spending big money in the in the except for Keenan and Middleton there at the very end, uh, mm-hmm. which is good because we've seen what John Mosellock does with with big money contracts to the relievers. Right. right. But I, I just I, I was very interested. I did. I don't think I would have expected them to kind of go out and cobble together a bullpen like that. I I thought it was very interesting too, and it's it's honestly not the path I expected them to take. I thought. Hicks would be back. I thought there'd probably be another notable free agent addition. I thought we might see one of their, you know, higher level minor league starter arms be moved into a bullpen role, which of course could still happen. But, you know, I kind of, I like what they've done. They've thrown a lot of strikeouts and a lot of velocity at the problem, and they're going to let God sort out the the roles. Uh, They have a number of guys with options. There's good roster flexibility in there. Uh, and I think that's a sensible way to build a bullpen. You know, you can, you can, as we know, you can uh, really eat it when you sign mm-hmm. non-elite relievers to free agent contracts. And, you know, the, the free agent contract they did sign to Major League Deal, Middleton, certainly calculated risk. And even if it goes disastrously, it's, you know, it's $6 million guarantee. And I really like some of the arms that Raleigh O'Brien, I, I, probably higher on him than I should be. And I'm really looking forward to seeing him in spring. And there's just some interesting guys out there. They have velocity and strikeouts now, and that's, you know, they badly needed that in the rotation didn't particularly get it, but they added it to the bullpen. And I, I think it's an interesting allotment of guys. Yeah, it really, it, it is. And, and then you've got guys like what Josh James, who's not mm-hmm. even on the 40 man, you know, he's mm-hmm. going to be, unless he has yeah. a great spring going to be in your minor leagues and a guy that has had a lot of success before. So um, I, I do like the fact that they, that at least in, in relievers, they didn't go out and get, you know, the five guys they needed. They went out and got 10, you know, and, and, yeah. and they don't yeah. do that with starters. You know, right, right, <laughs> it's like, right. okay, we got, we got five people. We can't put any more starters yeah. on this team. Um, but with the bullpen, they did that. And, and I do think now there's probably what two spots or so that's going to have a decent churn uh, that yeah. of people going back and forth to Memphis. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's it, the last CBA put in some limitations on how you use mm-hmm. options and that kind of thing. So it's not going to be, you know, up one day down the next, but you can still, you can still have a conga line going, you know, through the bullpen there. And I think that's, I think that's going to serve them well because, you know, you need to, you need to find out what works and you need to adjust if it's not working. You don't really have time to, you know, it's, it's analytically, there's no such thing as an ideal bullpen because you just don't know what's going to happen over the short run. So at least they have options. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we know also that, you know, everybody's going to show up on February 14th and probably by March 14th, somebody's going to be hurt. Right. You know, you're not going to get into the, the season. We just hope that it's not anybody of, of significance. Right. Um, and and I, I say that wrong, but you know what I mean? Um, right. Because if right. Sonny Gray gets hurt, we're in trouble, right? I mean, we're right. kind of back to where we were right. last year. Right. Right. Yeah. Miles Michaelis opening day starter. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and I know you, you, you and I both have the same idea. We, the Cardinals need to go get like at least two and maybe three guys better than Miles Michaelis, and then right. you're, yeah, you're you're a heartbeat away from him being your your opening day right. starter type. Right, so, right. Um, that's a that is a scary thing. So, um, you're right that they they did raise the floor in the rotation. How much are you? I don't want to say banking, but ex, maybe expecting. You know. The fact that Lance Lynn isn't going to give up 44 home runs, the fact that, you know, Kyle Gibson is going to be in a place that's a bit more of a pitcher's park. Do do you have hope that these guys are going to be at least somewhat better than they were last year? I do. Yeah. I mean, I you know, I, I would probably peg them for, you know, worse than league average ERAs. But I think you will see per- improvements uh, in terms of runs allowed, you know, I, I just I don't I don't think Lynn's stuff has degraded so much that he's just, you know, a, a batting practice machine now. So I do expect positive regression on the home run front. Gibson, as you mentioned, uh, Bush, he probably fit well there, obviously not facing some of those AL East lineups and instead mm-hmm. you know, facing some NL Central lineups will probably help him a bit. And uh, so, yeah, I, I think those guys are, you know, fourth and fifth guys, you know, let's, let's say Matt's when healthy can pitch like a three, you know, and I think he can, but obviously that when healthy is the big qualifier there because you just can't bank on him for durability. 
but you know, at the back end, those those are reasonable guys, but they have to they have to meet those expectations in that some improvement, particularly for Lynn, uh, is part of the bargain. That has to happen. Otherwise, he's not an adequate member of a rotation on a contending team. Yeah. And, and Lynn did pitch pretty well with the Dodgers. Uh, yeah, I think he had a couple of blowups that, that kind of skewed things. But for the most part, he pitched pretty well there. So if he can bring that to St. Louis, then and, – and I, I mean, I've got to feel like, you know, we've heard a lot of this this winter and – we hear a lot of things in the winter that don't necessarily translate, but um, you know, he's got a little bit of a, of a chip on his shoulder probably yeah. from last year. And, and he wants to make a good impression back in St. Louis. So we'll see how much that goes with the fact that he's, you know, into his mid to late thirties and it's a different type of pitcher. I mean, you know, if, if you've reached this level, you know, you're not, you got weeded out a long time ago. If you're not credited, if you're not competitive mm-hmm. and don't take pride in your craft and want to go out there and prove people wrong. So, yeah, I, I think there's yeah. something to that for sure. Yeah. So let's maybe we'll come back to that, but let's talk about the then the lineup. Like you said, you expect the little lineup to be a little bit stronger than it was last year. You've got Jordan Walker with an, a year under his belt and and improving in the outfield. So hopefully that's less of a storyline as well. Mm-hmm. Um, they did not trade any of their young guys that we. I, I kind of thought they'd have to to get the pitching in that they didn't get in. So maybe that's, that's why I thought it was going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So put all that together. I mean, you lost O'Neill, which you knew, and you lose Pelosio, which okay. Um, but it still looks like a team that you know is a is a really good team and st- is still a team that has a little bit of redundancies here and there that they're going to try to figure out how to get everybody on the field. Yeah, that you know, I I have a lot of confidence in the offense in general terms, because, you know, they got a bit unlucky last year. Uh, they were better than, they were better than their run scored total. You know, I think, yeah. you know, I think they, uh, I think their OPS as a team was probably in the top, you know, I don't know, quarter of the league. And then uh, their run scored was not was below average. So, you know, that, they'll probably, that'll probably even out this season and they'll enjoy some, some, uh, you know, the dead cat bounce, if you will, and, and get better in that regard. But I still worry about, as you mentioned, those lineup redundancies and potential bottlenecks and that kind of thing, because young to youngish hitters just need consistent reps. And, you know, and I, I don't, you know, I, there's not a path to play in time, regular play in time anyway, for Dylan Carlson. So I've kind of given up on that. But, you know, I just, I just hope there's not overreaction to say, you know, Mason Wynn gets a hit a week for the first month or something, you know, and, mm-hmm. and uh, does, does bouncing uh, Nolan Gorman between DH and second base or what have you mess with him somehow. And do, are, are, are we too aggressive with resting him with that, you know, with those back concerns, that kind of thing is Yvonne Herrera going to get enough regular reps to, to find his level how much playing time is Matt Carpenter going to take from Alec Burleson, who I still think has some potential. There's a lot of questions like that. Brendan Donovan, is he, is he DH? Is he, how much is he going to see in the outfield corners? Is he going to be the second baseman primarily? I know he's accustomed to bouncing around like that, you know, as much as you can be across his brief career, but you know, coming off Tommy John surgery, he's another guy who probably needs reps at the plate. So I do have concerns, like you mentioned about redundancy and, and just not getting, the guys who need it regular run because of all this, the crowded roster, that that's a concern of mine. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I think, uh, of course I am, I'm, I'm huge on Mason win. I, I just I'm really mm-hmm. excited about what he brings yeah. to, to the team. But I do think back to when Colton Wong came up and Colton struggled. And of course playing the great defense at second base, but he struggled offensively mm-hmm. and it was less that he struggled. And the fact that everybody else was kind of struggling that, you know, he wound up getting sent to Memphis and we saw Mark Ellis play and weird things like that. And, and granted, Mike Matheny's not here anymore, so hopefully that's not an issue. But it does feel right. like, you know, sometimes that's out of their control, right? They they may struggle, but if the rest of the lineup's going well, you don't worry about it. If it's not, then you start thinking, okay, well, Tommy Edmonds going to come in here and play this and we'll send Mason back to, to Memphis for a while. How happy would we be if Mason Wynn got a walk-off caught stealing in the World Series this year? <laughs> Uh, I, I mean, yeah, I guess it's that. 
maybe less him, but uh, right, you know, right, you know what I mean? yeah, just yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the fact that he, uh, yeah. So yeah, let's, let's, let's hope the, uh, the Colton Wong trajectory sticks there. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I, I do, this is what, and I think this was kind of the, this is why I, I cut Marmol a bit of slack for last year. I think he was handed a really complicated roster. That was just hard to mix, hard to make everybody, hard to make it work, hard to get everybody the the, the reps they need, the plate appearances they needed. It's better, you know, you know O'Neill is gone, that kind of thing this season, but there's still some complications there, and I still think it's going to be a challenge for him. And it felt like, to some degree, and I don't want to completely defend Marmol because he obviously had his issues as well mm-hmm, last right. year. He was also coming, you know, we say that, but then he was, you know, coming off a year where he took the team to a 90 wins and a playoff role in his first year. So, you know, how much is that? But anyway, yeah, it did feel like there were times last year where I, I can remember at least one or two games where he made the right move. He made the right call to the bullpen and it just blew up. Yes. Right. Um, yeah. So it was just that kind of year. Yeah. And there's a lot of, you know, post facto hand rigging when, when it comes to mm-hmm. managers and decisions they make and, Oh, that was so obviously a stupid decision. Well, no, it probably wasn't. You know, it just, you know, and that that's, that's baseball. It's just, it's such a unique game in that regard and that you can make these proper decisions. And it's so randomness and luck driven at times that it's just go well. And, but nonetheless, blame is going to accrue to the decision makers, uh, even if it's just driven by luck. So that's, uh, that is the, the blessing and the curse of baseball. Yeah. I, I think of the the Van Hickelstein uh, uh, gif where it's you know the the four quadrants you know good process bad result yeah. bad process yeah. bad result you know that kind of thing you know right. I think you just you just right. don't know when right. you, you just hope that the good process is there and you just don't hope that the results over time yeah. go with that process yeah yeah uh, yeah but uh, yeah and I think I mean. I do think it's an interesting year for for Marmol too, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, contracts no, up. yeah, contracts up, yeah. and you know, as as much as he can say he's excited about it, Yadier Molina is lingering right. over him, and that adds to that you know degree of difficulty for this year. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's an incredibly awkward situation, and uh, I think that you know, I don't know. Do you see? You know, is it going to be something like, uh, you know, the Yankees make a deep playoff run and Cashman fires Girardi because he wants someone else in there, you know, mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. It's like, is it possible that the uh, Cardinals <clears throat> meet expectations in 2024, even exceed them? And Marmol is not their manager next year. I mean, I, you know, the Mike Schultz example is right there. You know, I, I don't know. <laughs> there certainly isn't that tension between Marmol and the front office uh, that there was between Schultz and the front office, but you know, Molina, Molina's right there. And as you note, he is a dominating presence, uh, mm-hmm. even if he's not in the dugout, you know, so it's, it's, it's interesting is probably the euphemism for it. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you can even go farther beyond our times, and it's amazing to be able to say that. I know for some people, but uh, you go back to you know Johnny Keene and after the '64 yeah. Warriors, right? I mean, you know, he he he's of course that was him him up and leaving versus, but yeah, you know, because the club club was looking to to fire him until things turned around. But yeah, I mean, you you don't know. I mean, and I am of the opinion that you tell me if what you think too the club i would like to think the club is smarter than to try to hire yachty or molina because i managers are hired to be fired and that's not going to go well yeah right right yeah i i don't know there is there's going to be a lot of shall we say cultural pressure for that to happen Mm -hmm. you know for them to give that job he would be beloved he would be you know he would rally the fan base but I don't know how well it would go. And, you know, yeah. obviously everything depends on uh, managers probably don't make a huge difference at the end of the day, handful of games, maybe between the the best and the average manager. I don't know. I'm kind of spitballing here, but, but, yeah. you know, it'll depend on the trajectory of the organization in terms of talent at the highest level. But, you know, it's, it's just, it's such an elephant in the room right now. And it's, it's, it's only going to get to be more of a, uh, undercurrent uh as as 2024 plays out yeah yeah i, I agree i think that i you know it's it's there now it's it's also 
fair to ask if Yachty is, I mean, he, he says he's ready to do 162 games. I think it's still fair to ask to see if he really is ready to commit to that. Yeah. But I mean, it's there. Uh, And um, I think it will be fascinating to see what the club does with that. Um, I think it would be better for Yachty. I think it'd be better for everybody. I mean, you think about, you know, Albert was here and hitting what, you know, 200 until he had that in the first half. Yeah of 21 and, and people, I, I don't think they were like, you know, the boo birds weren't out, right. But there was, there was some unrest of why are we still playing him and all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, right. So, and, and there's been a little bit of that with Yachty too, you know, blocking some of those catchers. So yeah, if he gets into that position and then, you know, they missed the playoffs for two years, it's like, yeah, what have you done for me lately? So yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's, I think that's an interesting, again, that's, it's a wrinkle and it's a drama that, you know, again, this is not a, a well, I say it used to be a, an organization that it didn't really engage in drama, but maybe over the last few years, that's kind of gone by the wayside. Yeah, it's, there's there's been some drama. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I mean, and it could be a decision that's taken out of Moselliac's hands or his successor's mm-hmm. hands. And, you know, the DeWitt say, we're going to make Yadier Molina the manager. So, you know, mm-hmm. playing the hits. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it would fit yeah. the mo. I mean, yeah, yeah. When you look at yeah. the, especially when you look at the last three man- <clears throat> three managers that, uh, yeah, um, that, that that goes with it as well. So I don't, I don't know. I think that's that is going to be. I mean, so many things that overshadow because yeah, usually you kind of think about the bench coach being that you know maybe next in line, but you know, and mm-hmm. if Skip Schumacher was here, I think you would say that obviously because he went on to, to right. I, I don't think anybody really expects Daniel Del Scalzo because this is like, isn't this, this is his first coaching job, right? To, to yeah. then step into the manager's role. Right. Right. Maybe Matt Holiday will be the manager. <laughs> Which again, you know, yeah. I mean, <laughs> once Matt gets his, uh, his next yeah. son uh, drafted and right. making millions of dollars, then um, right. <laughs> maybe so, yeah. but then and he ran into the same issue. I don't know. I, I think it would be fascinating to see Yadier Molina manage somebody, uh, some other team, and just see how that went. But um, yeah. most yeah. likely, it's gonna gonna be here. So, um, so is there? I mean, we we've talked a little bit about Mason Wynn, but is there a guy on this offense that you are really interested to see what happens with this year? I mean, obviously Jordan Walker. Uh, mm-hmm. We're all captivated by him. You know, age age 22 season coming up. So just, just obscenely young to have done what he did last season. And just, uh, he's, he's just, he's just, you know, go out there and become my favorite player by, you know, by, by putting <laughs> up the kind of, you know, the kind of numbers that I think you can put up. And so I, I'm, you know, last season it was, you know, it was stop what I'm doing and stare at his plate appearances, even when they were, you know, 20 games out or whatever, you know, right. So it, it already has that kind of appointment viewing feel to it because it's, you know, I mean, obviously the Cardinals have had a rich farm system in recent years, but it's, it's been a while since, you know, maybe, maybe uh, Oscar Tavares since uh, mm. the kind of ballyhoo that comes with, you know, being uh, a hitter to dream on comes along. Right. And uh, so I, I'm just, I'm really looking forward to watching him. If you confine me to a non-Jordan Walker answer, I got to say Gorman. Uh, just what he's done in terms of power outputs when healthy at the highest level at a very young age uh, is puts him in historically rare company. And, you know, I worry about the back. Uh, I've read some, you know, John Denton reporting that it goes back to a 2020 weightlifting injury, which if that's still bothering him, that certainly raises some concerns. Um, but I, I, I just, he's just, he's a 40 homer dude. If he can stay healthy, I don't necessarily mean that in 2024, but very soon. And that's just that, just how hard he hits the ball. There's just top of the scale, batted ball metrics and the home run power, such a young age and a guy who can get by at an up the middle position, middle infield position, just so intriguing. I just really hope that back holds up. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing i know you wrote an article early on in the in the winter about not trading Noah yeah. gorman and i you, that really kind of changed my mind because i had it in my head that maybe you do sell high on him because of the back issues and mm-hmm. the fact that he was one of the few people that could bring you back 
the Dylan Cease or whatever that you right. that, you know that you could get, which obviously that was not what they wanted to do. But um, mm-hmm. but yeah, to to have that kind of guy in the lineup is is huge for this team, and it you know as they develop, you know it feels like they're pretty good. To, they're going to be able to transition from the Goldschmidt Arenado carrying the load to Gordon mm-hmm. Walker, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, yeah, they got some interesting young hitters and, and uh, yeah. And, and Herrera as well, you know, I, mm-hmm. based on the progress he made as a hitter last season, he's still just 23, you know, he feels like he's been a prospect for a decade, but he's still young, you know, and, you know, you have to wonder if, uh, given the uh, Sturm und Drang around Wilson Contreras's defense last season, whether Herrera starts nudging him into a, you know, DH first base, maybe even an outfield corner, you know, occasional duty out there for Contreras. And, you know, if Herrera makes the most of what figures to be limited playing time this season. So he's another one I'm interested in watching. Yeah, I mean he's he's he really kind of has to. Right? I mean we've seen what he's done in yeah. the is it the Caribbean series or um, yeah yeah that he that he's basically I think he was named MVP of that because of, of what he's done and he can't play. I mean that was one of the arguments I had for keeping Andrew Kisner and letting Herrera play at at Triple if you yeah. had to because Kisner was fine playing one or two days a week. He you know but I don't think you can do that with a guy like Herrera who needs to be learning the major leagues, but then you've got your, you know, yeah. biggest free agent in, in history um sitting right in front of him. And I I mean again, that's another thing for Marmol to kind of deal with. That's a, a, a wrinkle that is is not fun. Yeah, and it, it also the Contreras thing kind of says to me that they had no idea this was coming from Herrera mm-hmm. last season, that mm-hmm. that huge step forward. Because if you did know this was coming then, you know, you probably don't sign Wilson Contreras, right? So, uh, so yeah, I, I'm I'm interested to see how Momo juggles that, and I'm also interested to see how Herrera produces with what figures to be inconsistent playing time. You've got Walker, you've got Win. By the end of the year or next year, odds are you have Victor Scott the second. Is this mm-hmm. going to be the most personality a cardinal team has had in like 30 years maybe since ozzy and and them yeah i yeah i i thought about this because it's it's uh particularly when mason Wynn arrived because he's just so he's so twitchy out there in the field and so he's he's like a uh he almost looks like he's a punt returner on pop-ups and stuff i mean he's just he's just all over the place and he He's he's a fascinating player to me, and I'm really looking forward to watching him play defense. And uh, that's I guess that's one upside of not addressing the strikeout problem in the rotation. But <laughs> yeah, and I, I uh, yeah, they, they I think you're right in that you throw all these guys, these young guys arriving in there, particularly Scott, who's just going to have a skill set like we haven't seen since the 80s you know as you mentioned yeah. and i'm really excited about getting that core together and seeing what they can do yeah i think it's gonna be a lot of, of, of fun and then you like said you probably have gorman supplementing with power uh the future at least in that regard is bright the cardinals still need to develop pitching and i i guess some of this <laughs> one year one year with an option gives them a chance to see what they've got in roby and some of the others that they brought in or maybe draft somebody yeah. and get that process started. But um, I mean, that's what they've got to do, right? I mean, either that or they're going to have to start spending money on, on pitching, which they really don't want to do either. Right. 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 Um, which means as we transition, let's, let's talk a little bit about the finances because that comes a lot from the TV. You've written about the RSN. We've talked mm-hmm. about, you know, we've got Amazon that's kind of sweeping in and, and putting some wrinkles in this. Um the commissioner comes out, I think it was today saying that he was hoping to have a streaming product by 2025 for about half the teams. Mm -hmm. You know, where do you think we stand right now? And where do you think we will stand this time next year? Right now, everything hinges on court approval of this Amazon effort, because I think Mm -hmm. if that happens, then diamond, which is the company that runs valleys uh, becomes viable at least, yeah. able to survive for the near term into midterm. 
and we're probably not going to see major changes uh, right away if they are able to get back to viability and, you know, be a going concern and that kind of thing. Um, that is, I'm inclined to say that's what happens and that we get status quo for beyond 2024. We're going to have, you know, as we know, the Cardinals have been guaranteed full payment for 2024. Beyond that is where the uncertainty is. Some things, some reporting I've read, the, the judge of the bankruptcy court sounds pleased and happy lately in some of his quotes. <laughs> so that leads me to believe, I mean, I'm not a lawyer and I, you know, I'm, 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 you know, kind of talking out of my rear end here to an extent, but uh that leads me to believe that this is going in a desired direction and that he is going to approve the Amazon buy-in and some of the other creditors uh, diamond, and they're going to remain viable. And in a, in a sense, as long as we're not talking about blackouts, that's good news because the Cardinals mm-hmm. will continue, you know, making what they were slated to make. You know, it's uh, I it runs through 2032, their agreement, and it's uh, somewhat backloaded, so the highest paying years are yet to come. So having that remain in force is not a bad thing. And if things go awry, if, uh, if uh, you know, either the bankruptcy court does not approve this effort by Amazon or, you know, it's still not enough for, uh, for Diamond to remain viable, then the Cardinals are going to be in a pretty good position relative to a lot of other teams. Uh, they are not one of the clubs that sold full digital rights to Diamond, and that's mm-hmm. that's what Amazon is angling to get is those uh, those five clubs that ceded every hint of rights to to Bally's and to Diamond. And Carl's not do that. They can claw back their digital rights if their contract is not fulfilled, which is what would happen if uh, Diamond is no longer viable. And they would get to, you know, in essence, be a free agent. And, you know, they have that 30% stake in Valley Sports Midwest. And that's, you know, gives them additional power as well. So, and, you know, considering they have strong local ratings, some of the strongest in the league, even in this down season, and considering they have a far-flung fan base, you're probably talking about uh, a team that's going to do pretty well when it comes to direct consumer subscriptions and that sort of thing. Now, the league as a whole will take a hit, you know, temporarily at least uh, under such a scenario. But the Cardinals, I think, would not be hit as hard as as many other teams would be. So if you grade it on that scale, you know, yeah, they're going to be hurting, but not as bad as most of the other teams. They're they're positioned to to do okay, I think, regardless of how this plays out. I think that's probably the bottom line because this this stuff is all boring, but it's kind of stuff we have to talk about because it affects their spending the business outlook and, you know, ultimately the player payroll and all that. So uh, I'm optimistic that the Cardinals are going to be fine regardless of whether we get status quo or whether diamond falls apart and it's a mad scramble. And I mean, you know, again, you're right. The Cardinals could reach out. I mean, Iowa, you know, places that don't, don't get, I mean, I didn't watch any last year because I had to cut, you know, cut out direct TV. And so right. you know, being able to, but then for some, I'm still in that blackout market, so I can't watch it on MLB TV. So, you know, even yeah. just freeing yeah. up blackouts is, is a, a huge thing. And so I, when you said that I wasn't, I was starting to wonder because, you know, you hear the reporting about, you know, you know, the tigers and others that, have, that, that the rights yeah. that the diamond has, the Cardinals are yeah. not in that. I was kind of starting right. to think, could they do something with those rights along with the contract? But it sounds to me like as long as the contract's avoided or valid, that Bally has control over them to some degree. I, I don't know how that would yeah, work. I mean, but- the, uh, yeah, the, the, I think a common misconception is that MLB is the one instituting blackouts. No, it's mm. something the RSNs insist upon because that's how you get people to subscribe and uh, to cable packages and, you know, that's how they get carriage fees and all that. Uh, now there is a possibility that the agreements will continue, but they will be restructured in which case maybe there's some, uh, headway they can make in terms of blackouts. MLB wants them to go away. The teams want them to go away. We've heard the DeWitts, you know, saying that they want them to go away. They will eventually. And I think, 
in some ways, I think MLB is probably disappointed by Amazon's entry into this because it yeah. has the potential to save Diamond and keep the status quo, which extends to blackouts. So, you know, maybe MLB ultimately gets its way on this and we get a restructuring. And that would presumably lead to uh, no blackouts, which would be good news for you, especially. Yeah, yeah. I, it's one of the reasons I am following this as, as much as I'm you know, reading everything yeah. I can on this, because, you know, again, I would like to, you know, not have to, well, even when I was watching, jump through hoops, you know, I had to buy the, the DirecTV, then you had to buy the extra package to get the Cardinals here, you know, because I'm otherwise yeah. I'm watching Houston and who wants to do that? So, right. Um, <laughs> right. you know, um, that kind of stuff. So, you know, just to be able to, you know, I think ideally... MLB would like if you could turn on MLB TV, you'd probably have yeah. to double the price of what it is, but still right. turn on MLB TV and watch whatever game you wanted to watch. Yes. Uh, that's yeah. It's amazing that that's such an impossibility. Yeah. Something yeah. theoretically so simple. And you know, and it, it, the last credible blackout map I could find, I think was 2019 and the Cardinals mm-hmm. blackout territory included all or parts of 10 States. And this is, I guess, the uh, the hazards of having this sort of national brand, if you will, and that yep. you know this is uh, this is just every swath of the Midwest, even to the Upper Southwest, into the into the Memphis area, and all over, uh, you got Cardinals territory, and that's that's reflected by the blackout policies. So I think. In terms of getting those subscriptions in a direct consumer world in which there would be no blackouts, I think the Cardinals could do pretty well. Yeah. So basically, it sounds like you're saying this is all KMOX's fault for um, spreading the gospel <laughs> of Cardinal baseball in the 40s and 50s and then making it the, the national well, game. You know, so. I, I, uh, I have my origins as a fan to thank for KMOX because that's what made my mm-hmm. dad a fan. And of course, pass it on to me because I was we were nowhere near St. Louis. We were in Mississippi and Alabama. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, if I could go back in time, I would uh, torn that transmitter down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, maybe we could just go back enough to figure out blackouts. You know, not, yeah, not, not maybe, that, maybe that's that. Yeah. Maybe we'll do that instead. So, yeah. as as part of your, especially as far as your national work, do you ever get down to spring training? Not, uh, not in a long time. I was in Arizona several years ago. Uh, I've you know done playoffs recently, an All Star game, but not not spring training in, in several years. That's uh, I would love to, yeah, yeah, but no, so, hasn't, so hasn't really like the, been on the agenda. Yeah, you're not like the rest of us getting it all from Derek Gould and Katie Wu and and all those right. kind of people, right? They, right, yeah, yeah. Shoot video from yeah. 15 feet away and all that kind of stuff. So. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's exciting, and and, and I mean, and I, it's really kind of surprising because we know how the connection of Bill Dewitt to rob manfred mm-hmm. why he allowed this balance schedule thing because you think he'd want to stay like no we let's play we want to play the central like all we don't yeah, want to play anybody right. else. we just want to play the central right. can we can we arrange right. that uh yes because yeah. that would be so much i mean especially this year when you look at at uh, i mean who do you think is the most competition for the Cardinals as it stands right now. And of course there's, there's free agents still out there. They may be out there till June. Yeah. But as it stands right now, who do you think is the biggest competition for the Cardinals? I think it's the Cubs. Uh, only in part, because I also expect them to do something else. I expect Bellinger's mm-hmm. going to wind up there or something in that scale. But yeah, I mean, they just, uh, you know, they kind of underplayed their fundamentals last season. I think they had a stronger, roster than it seemed and uh you know their infield defense is exceptional and they have some interesting arms and i think they're the biggest competition right now i think the brewers you know they just lost too many starting pitchers from last season i think to uh for me to take them too seriously and that's not a strong offense either so uh, the brewers i just don't see it and the reds i'm kind of low man on the reds I i know they're kind of a uh a popular pick dark horse kind of because the, the sort of season they had to build off of last season, but I just don't see it looking up and down that roster. I think the infield's too, too crowded. I think the rotation is totally suspect. And I just, I'm, I'm low man on the reds right now. 
there's definitely, I agree, the Reds are going to have the same issue that the Cardinals had last year of trying to figure out where they're going to play everybody. And then they go and yeah. sign, sign Jonathan India to a, a two-year deal. Um, and the Candelario, kind of, I just, yeah. 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 I, don't, I don't, yeah. Um, now, yeah. I will say, you know, if Hunter Green takes that next step and, yeah. you know, if some of their young pitchers stay healthy, I mean, you're playing in a ballpark that's not great for them, but they can right. be uh, intriguing, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's Pittsburgh, which I don't, yeah. I don't know that we can just, I mean, again, Pittsburgh finally uh, uh, to ruined Alex Christopher's nice little streak of the Cardinals always finishing yeah. ahead of, yeah, of the Pirates. That came up uh, on our last appearance. Yeah. 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 So, um, so I don't, maybe we shouldn't just kind of dismiss them out of hand, but you know, yeah. they're still, they're still trying to do something. I just don't know exactly what. Yeah. They just, they just, uh, they have some interesting players. Cabrian Hayes, you know, particularly, I, he may mm-hmm. be the best defensive third baseman in baseball right now. Right. Uh, but I just, some of their younger guys have just not taken that step. Uh, you know, O'Neill Cruz has missed, you know, I think almost all of the last two seasons now and just, you know, yeah. quietly getting up there in years as young players go. So, yeah, I just, I, I, they just seem like a 80 win ceiling to me looking at them and, you know, but, you know, it's all things are possible in the central division. So we'll see. Yeah. I mean, 80 wins is not that far off from, from winning this division, unfortunately. So this is what I think about when people talk about, Oh, you need to do it like the NBA and just give birth to the top teams and don't worry about the mm-hmm. divisions. So it's like, no, you don't want to do that to the rust belt teams. You, you need them fighting yeah. out with each other. Otherwise you're never going to see a Cleveland in, a, in the playoffs and all that. So, yeah. Well, and, now and let's, to let's me, keep these centrals. Yes, we, we definitely. Although, I mean, I guess you'd make the argument that maybe that would inspire some people to do some things if you knew you had to, you know, right. be in the top That's six possible. versus winning the division. But I don't That's know. Possible. I don't think it, I don't think anything that the car, it, that the clubs have ever done that is supposed to motivate them has done that. You know, we didn't see anybody. I don't think the, the top two seed thing got people, you know, spinning right. to try to get to that spot, did that? Right. Yeah. You know, so still like, well, knows? we get in, we'll, we'll do it. But um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think it's, and I feel like because I'm an old fuddy duddy, um, we've gotten a long way away from the, the flavor of the national league and American league. Right. It's, oh, it's yeah. MLB. Yeah. Right? You know, it's just yeah. this right. homogenous stuff and that's the balance scheduled in interleague play and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I guess there's good things and bad things about it. I, I can give you the list of the bad things, but um, yeah, but I, you know, to to do that, to go. I mean, because we even talk about, you know, oh, there's been even that idea of you know, just take the top twelve of, of everybody, right? You know, maybe it's yeah, ten national, yeah. maybe ten American League teams, yeah. and I, I just feel like you're losing. Because one of the great things about baseball is that history and the comparisons and all that kind of stuff. Mm. And the more you do of that, the more you lose. I think the the game started going downhill when we had all star uniforms instead of teams wearing instead of players wearing their team uniforms at the all star game. I I was, tell you, preach on. I mean, yeah. because <laughs> I mean, that is I cannot believe. That. I mean, you know, again, I'm I'm an old fuddy duddy, but I mean that was yeah. one of the greatest things, right? As you see, yes, you know, all those different uniforms out there. Yes, and they had it, so great. and they had the the all star uniforms for the home run derby, and that was cool, and. You know, they took but, team pictures with all those different uniforms, yeah, and yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, and that, you uh, know, yeah. and I also miss the exotic nature of the World Series, like two unimaginable teams playing each other. Mm-hmm. You can imagine yeah. the Yankees playing the Dodgers and the Cardinals playing the Brewers, and you know that sort of thing. So yeah, yeah, I, I miss yeah. that. So yeah, uh, and now it's like, know, okay, how did they, how did they yeah. do this year? Because we've seen them. So you've seen this matchup, right. so right, yeah, um, yeah. But anyway, yeah. If, we, if you get me get, getting on the old man rant, I will be here. Yeah, forever, so I, I, I'll ride that train too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're lo- we're losing listeners as we speak. Yeah, <laughs> I, I just hope they've made it this far. That's all I'm. You know, so we'll, we'll see. <laughs> so, um, but uh, anyway, well, Dane, I have kept you an hour or so, and I, I don't want to keep you any longer. But I appreciate you joining me tonight, and again. 
great work at it's birdieworks.substack.com if you haven't gone and and you know i think i know dane's got a few free pieces read those you'll want to subscribe so it, it's not you know it, it's not rsn money to subscribe so you're all right <laughs> no blackouts either that's right that's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that would be bad. Yeah. Oh, sorry. You're in Iowa. You can't read this. Yeah. So. Right. Uh, that'd be a questionable business policy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Given, given yeah. how many podcasts start in Iowa, uh, Cardinal podcasts in Iowa, <laughs> I think that would be a, a really bad thing. So yeah, absolutely. Anyway, yeah. But uh, well, Dane, will do it again. Me on, man. Really appreciate it. Enjoyed it. I, Always. I appreciate it. Next week we'll have uh, Jason Hill from v- Viva Alberto's joining us, but until next time, for Dane, I'm Daniel. Good night. Widespread stance, arms out over the plate. Bickford from the stretch. The 1-1 pitch. A swing, and there it goes! Left field, way back! That's home run number 700! Pujols hits a three-run homer, and he hit 699 and 700 at Dodger Stadium on September 23rd, 2022.